If you've had automating your ASP.NET deployments on your to-do list, now's a great time to give Octopus Deploy a try. The Starter Edition lets you install Octopus on your own infrastructure and deploy to IIS web servers, Azure websites, and pretty much anything from Node to Kubernetes, and they just made it free for small teams. Give your team a single place to release, deploy, and operate software with Octopus Deploy. Find out more at octopus.com. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And oh man, we're still here in uh, Corona Town. It's really yeah. getting bad. We're, we're recording this in November, uh, yeah. November 16th, and uh, our hospitals are right on the precipice of being completely overwhelmed. Scary. Yeah. yeah it, the, the Definitely the second, or depending on where you are, maybe even the third wave is upon us, so... Some people are uh, saying know. this is still the remnants of the first wave. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard, it, these are all relativistic things, but definitely when you look at the graphs, you know, there was a dip down and then a swing back up and mm. in the Northern Hemisphere being, being coming into winter, yep. more people inside, we've got to kind of be more careful. And I, I think people are struggling with that everywhere. Yeah. Well, anyway, some good news to report in my Better Know a Framework segment. So roll the music. Awesome. What do you got? Well, I had an expiring SSL certificate. Has that Ooh. ever happened to you? Once or twice, yeah. A little <laughs> here and there. <laughs> yeah. And I called my friend Richard Campbell. Well, I called He's on him. He's a smart him, really. guy. I call him more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he said, dude, you have to get the uh the, the Acme bot. And I'm like, yeah. what is that? So he sent me to this URL, and I'll send you there right now. It's mm -hmm. This is show number 1716. So, if you go to 1716.pwop.me, the, the free stuff has been around for a while. If you were willing to, like, you know, go to the command line and create your own certificates and sign them and upload them and do all the, do all the stuff. But this app service, AcmeBot, makes it really easy to, yeah. to do it with Azure and essentially what you do is you're creating a service in your own Azure, uh, you know, resource group that you can use and you have um, the ability security wise to use it. And it looks at all your app services and generates keys and yep. it, it, they, they automatically renew. Yeah. Yeah. With using an Azure function. I, I mean, presuming you use the Acme bot setup for that. So yeah. this is an Azure function does it for you. Yeah. Yeah. It is like gone are the days of, first of all, being beholden to these companies who sell you electrons yes. at, for what? So yeah. that you can and, prove and then you make are it, who you and are. And make the experience miserable too. Make the experience miserable. So it's like, uh, it's like, uh, you know, uh, Joey Bag of Donuts uh, who knocks on your door once a month <laughs> for that protection money. He just yeah. died. Yeah. So, it's over now. It's over. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. And I'm using this on uh, history of .NET and run as radio. And now, and they, um, I even got it running on my home exchange server as I'm moving off my exchange server. You know, I'm over at 0365 now, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I was able to set up an Acme bot to, to maintain the cert on my 
Exchange Server as well. So it's, I mean, it's not just for Azure. You can use right. it in a lot of places. It just takes a little work to configure it correctly. Right. And again, but your life is better. Your life is so much better. And did we mention free? Free. Free. So, and and, and then you know you know what else? Free. Free. <laughs> did I happen to mention that it was free? Yeah. And <laughs> and completely automatic. Once you set it correctly. Yeah. Like I almost didn't believe it. When I got a history of .NET up and running, then, uh, you know, you have to wait because it, it's a 90-day cert, right? Right. So, it renews every month though. Yeah. And so, I went back and checked and, uh, you know, I had to check actually, is this a new cert yet? And, yep. It was a new cert. So, yeah. And once you see, once you see it auto-refreshing, you did nothing. Yeah. Then, you know, pour yourself a drink. That's a good day. Right. And you don't even have to apply it to your app cert. You just pick the app service. You say, give me a cert. Boom. Done. And it's, and it's up and running. Yeah. Oh, so good. Thank you, my That's friend. It should be. Yeah. Good stuff, huh? Good stuff. Who's talking to us today? Uh, grab a comment off a of show 1598 from November of 2018. One mm. we did with one Matthias Koch talking about. Uh, cross-platform CI/CD automation using Nuke. Maybe you've heard of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I suspect we're going to talk similarly today. And uh, Gilham Ferreira said, uh, "Hi, Matthias. Congratulations. Nuke seems really promising. Admittedly, this is two years ago. It's a little unfair. You know, there's newer stuff now. Right. I'm a Cake user. Funny, we talked about Cake not that long ago." And I can see that Nuke can be a good option, especially to teams that are all about C Sharp and the IDE. By the way, I think the cake frosting project is trying to address some of the same problems. And during the show, you said that a difference between nuke and cake is that you can define requires to a build test. Am I wrong? Or is it the same concept as criteria in cake? The difference between nuke and cake is the blast radius. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and the, the frosting on a nuke, a little different. <laughs> 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 and uh, Matthias also answered Guilherme uh, two years ago too, uh, talking about cake frosting and and uh, sort of his syntax decisions versus cake syntax decisions. Although I watched a conference session of Matthias's not long ago, mm-hmm. where he said, "What's the difference between nuke and cake?" He says, "Like cake's still scripting." Full yeah. stop. <laughs> so right. I'm sure we'll get further into that as uh, we go along. And Guilherme, I know it's been a couple of years, but thank you so much for your comment. A copy of Music to Code Buy is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code Buy, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebook, so we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to Code Buy. And you should definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. Send us a tweet. Did I mention free? <laughs> Did I? You are really happy about this. I aren't am you? so happy. I love it. All right, and that brings us to our guest today um, on the show for the second time. Matthias Koch is a passionate C sharp developer and likes to talk about clean code testing and tooling in general. Much of his spare time in the last years was devoted to his very own open source projects. He's working at JetBrains as a developer advocate for the .NET department. And you can follow him on Twitter via at M-A-T-K-O-C-H-8-7. Of course, uh, he's all about Nuke, nuke nuke.build. Welcome back, Matthias. Well, uh, yeah, hi. (laughs) Nice. uh, Thanks for having me. You bet. Wow, it's been a while. What's new? 
<laughs> what you been up to? Oh my god, there's so much stuff actually. Yeah. Um where should I begin? What's interests you? Uh well, I don't know. Maybe you can comment on uh the cake versus nuke uh question. I mean, I think we got it right. Yeah, for for most part, I think. Yeah. So um cake has this this two separate or not exactly two separate but uh i mean i would call it flavors so they have the normal cake uh thing which uses scripting and which was also the thing that i first tried back then mm -hmm. and then they also have a project which which is called cake frosting and cake frosting also is based on console applications as the thing that starts your, your build but one thing where nuke uh, uh is is different is that it uses more like the original cake syntax so um how you how you define your your execution methods what should be executed uh, the dependencies uh, and so on yeah and also what it what it uses what i think also mentioned last time is all of your targets i mean how you name them they're mm -hmm. actual symbols which is a great benefit if you have more complex scripts because you can um proper properly uh, rename them and they get updated and all their other um, occurrences or where they're referenced and um, cake frosting is i think more based on on types so if i'm not mistaken every step is a is a separate type and the dependencies are expressed through attributes. Hmm. Yeah, it's almost like you've got to pick your poison. How do you want to organize your, your the information you're passing into your build process? Um, I usually take the approach that I, I mean, if if a build is is uh, more complex than what I do, because it's a single it's a single class that I mm -hmm. uh, use for for a single uh, for a build. Yeah. But if you let's say I, for instance, I have a the normal pipeline of compile, pack, um, publish, and and test, etc. But I also have other targets, for instance, to create um, to an, announce a release, like like to, uh, send a tweet or make an announcement in the in the Slack workspace that we have. And to kind of organize that, I also put uh, different targets into uh, different partial files or um, using a partial class uh, for that. And otherwise, I mean, what's what's really beneficial is because those are all, all just symbols, the, the individual build steps, you can also very easily navigate to them. So for instance, if I'm somewhere in my solution and a new project also always sits beside i mean you don't have to but usually it sits besides your normal production code and you can for instance uh, use the go, go to type feature and then type build dot and test for instance and it immediately jumps there that's that's a great benefit also of using symbols uh, as as opposed to strings mm -hmm. nice yeah, yeah ma maintainability strings. of a build process is pretty powerful Nothing worse than having to edit a magic string. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I also try in, in their various, um, various spots in the code where I always try to be, uh, more on a typed level. So last time we also briefly mentioned the, uh, the fluent syntax for invoking, uh, command line tools. Mm -hmm. By the way, that was, that was very, 
embarrassing last time I gave that recording to my to my friend and he asked me afterwards, man, you, it, it's command line tool and not comment line tool <laughs> because I said <laughs> I said comment line tool the whole time. So yeah, um, meanwhile I I learned that. Um, but with those fluent APIs, you can also, uh, like if you want to pass the verbosity, for instance, you have code completion for that and you definitely know what kind of verbosities you can pass. And then that's a great, great, uh, advantage as well there. And of course it integrates really well with your favorite, uh, code editor, your favorite IDE. Is there, is there any popular IDE that it doesn't work with? No, I think last time, um, at the time we had the, the interview, um, I think we had the plugins for, uh, for Rider and Resharper and VS Code. Mm -hmm. Um, so those still work. And just to, to, just to mention that again, it, you, you kind of can get along without those extensions as well. But those extensions make it easy for you to um, execute the targets in a, in a more convenient way. Like, for instance, you, if you're if you're implementing a target, you don't always want to execute all those dependencies and all that stuff. And uh, meanwhile, and we also came up with the with a plugin for um, for Visual Studio. So there, you will have a similar experience uh, with the. How's it called? I think it's called Task Explorer. Mm -hmm. uh, the implementation is is very similar to, or or how it works is very similar to um, what people might know from from Cake. But but you always do have the command line option if you want to go that way. I mean, I, I guess this is again how do people like to work? Because some folks they they like their whole build process to just be a command line call. You mm -hmm. don't necessarily need a plugin. No, you don't. You don't necessarily need it. So um, there there's one quite interesting thing. So well, first of all, we still have the global tool, and I think last time I also mentioned that briefly. Uh, meanwhile, this global tool also supports shell completion, and that is a really that was a really big thing for me. I mean, I I also got the idea from from the um, from the .NET CLI. So what they do is to provide some some shell scripts for all the popular uh, shells like like PowerShell, uh, Fish, and and Bash. Mm -hmm. And what those, what those scripts or, or entries or re registries do is to invoke the new global tool to provide shell completion. And that works like that. So when you start typing nuke on, on the command line, then you could, uh, you could type dash dash A and maybe you have a parameter which is called API key. And you hit tap, then that will complete to API key. If you want to provide a target like nuke uh, test, for instance, then it would be enough to type T and then tap again. It would complete to to the test target, and that works really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one more thing about that, what, what was kind of kind of um, very a very. <laughs> Great moment to see that because I, it also followed later, but I also have some integration with Rider, of course, because that's yep. what I mostly work on. Right. And what happens if you type nowadays, if you type a command in, in, in the terminal, uh, then Rider can notice that this will actually execute the build project. 
And so even you're typing your command in the command line, uh, in the command line, mm -hmm. you can still by hitting some shortcuts, uh, right, right away debug that thing. So you have set a breakpoint somewhere and, and you just type, I think it's shift, uh, control enter. And then immediately the, the, the build project will be, will be debugged. And that is, mm -hmm. that is, I think for someone who, Who's writing build automation? Who writes build steps? Uh, this is a really handy feature. Yeah, yeah. Being again, it's a maintainability of a build script. It's easy to make a build script the first time. It's the next time and the next time that stuff gets harder. Yeah, right. I mean, this is this is something that was really a, a key concern. How do you say um, from from my heart? <laughs> because I like yeah. build autom I like build automation for for since I'm since I'm working as a developer mm -hmm. and, and there was always this notion of, uh, there's only one person in a, in a team who knows how, how the build is working. The build and master. <laughs> what a terrible term. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And, and I think at the time, uh, when, when fake started and cake, all that improved quite a lot. And yeah, at, at that time, I I came up with some of my own ideas, let's say, and then then that, that was the the uh, then Nuke was born, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I, we. It, I think it's because build build processes used to be so difficult. There was a bunch of stuff you needed to know that we kind of left that all on one person, and, and we were almost happy that way. It's like, hey, I don't have to worry about that. I check my code in good enough, right? I'm, I'm going to step away. Somebody else will deal with the rest. It's a separate task. But I think we've subsequently learned that's not that good of an idea and uh, that and that everybody should be able to understand the bill. Yeah, right. I just I just got a comment the other day. Uh, someone joined our, our Slack workspace and uh, or, or was it by creating an issue? I don't know. But the, the first comment was basically thanks thanks for Nuke and now in our team everyone kind of uh, dares, <laughs> not sure if that's the right word, but but is able uh, to work with the build uh, in some way and and is not afraid of it. Right. Uh, it doesn't have to go to to the build master to make a change, add a new library, anything like that. They they're willing to do their own work on the build. Yeah, exactly. So also that 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 was a, a key goal as well to make it integrate with tooling uh, right from the start. So not mm -hmm. to have something like um, like uh, preprocessor directives to to add dependencies or something. Um, yeah. Just modify the code. Don't be afraid. Yeah, it works like 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 in any other project where you want to add a dependency just using NuGet. By the way, that that is something interesting as well. Every now and then, when I give presentations, um, I tell people about uh, to, to use package download as opposed to package reference because package mm -hmm. download. Um, that I think that's a feature since uh, .NET SDK three. Uh, some, something like that. And package download actually just makes sure that the package is downloaded and that you don't have references to it, which is exactly what you want for external uh, tools like XUnit, uh, Octopus Deploy, um, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, you work alongside all of those things because they're, they're a separate part of this process. Right. You're worrying about build, they're worrying about deploy. 
It's just really cool how the whole CI/CD pipeline and GitHub and and uh, Azure DevOps has just gotten so much easier and so much more sophisticated from when we were even just a couple of years ago. You know, it it's just keeps getting better and better and better. And you know, tools like this on the build side, just it's it's one button push, publish. Like you, you know, you, it's just amazing. Cool. So there's new stuff in uh, Nuke 5 that you just announced, right? Yeah, right. Um, well, not exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's okay. kind of funny. Um, well, there there is a lot of stuff since since we last met uh, for the interview. Mm -hmm. But um, the race to version 5 was motivated in a in a bit different way. Okay. So I, I remember it's a while ago that uh, someone said, well, and I, I think it was when when Nuke was merged for fluent uh, fluent assertions. Yeah. And someone said, well, can can you even trust the package which is still zero point something? Yeah. And and my reaction was that, well, more like jokingly, well, if you like, I can also make it the version 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, was, I, I mean, many folks that have tried it before already said it's stable. You can, you could just bump the version and that's it. Heck, what, right. wasn't Gmail in beta for like six, seven years? Yeah, nobody had a problem with that. I guess because it's more noticeable. Yeah. yeah. For a NuGet package, you can, it just pops you in the eye. Also, we, we had this, uh, you know, informational text when NuGet started, which always said 0 0.24, for mm -hmm. instance. And mm -hmm. yeah, since, since there was the .NET 5 release, I just thought, okay, why not align it with, with .NET 5? Nice. And and the idea would also be to postpone clearly breaking changes till the next version, which would be in next year with .NET 6. Yeah. And probably driven by what they're going to do in .NET 6 too, which was still somewhat up the air. Yeah, yeah. So you did a Microsoft, man. You just skipped version 2, 3, and 4. <laughs> you just went to 5. Yeah, I pulled the Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody else is doing five. Why don't we? We yeah. should be .NET Rocks five. Let's there do that. Go. Yeah. I think we're a bit older than that, actually. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's been, been a lot of versions. All right. I so it's it. <laughs> Go ahead. So, sorry, I want to say I, I I would listen to it twice as often. <laughs> <laughs> if it was .NET Rocks five. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Maybe more Linux people would listen. Maybe. Uh, speaking of cross-platform, how much work has it been to have a build process that works all on all these different stacks? I'm just thinking file system behavior, permissions behavior, like that's got to be a challenge. Mm, as far as I'm concerned, not so much. I mean, yeah. um, there there's one thing that is really important to to work for Nuke. Which are the build, uh, which are the bootstrapping scripts. So there's mm -hmm. a, a build PowerShell file and a build uh, uh, bash file, and those will make sure to yeah kind of bootstrap the project to to make it built mm -hmm. on CI servers on your colleague's machine maybe, and those bootstrapping scripts they make sure that the that the requested .NET SDK is installed. Um, mm -hmm. Like if you're using the global uh, global.json file and enter a version for the SDK, 
and a couple of other things like like for instance also disabling telemetry which which was a topic <laughs> this 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 weekend and um otherwise things are working quite okay um since you mentioned it with the file system abstraction there is actually something um i'm not sure if i mentioned it last time but we have a, we have an abstraction for file system paths so that you can use the division operator so you type a string and uh, the division operator is overloaded to kind of construct paths uh with the operator and that will automatically be converted uh, depending on your underlying operating system to use either the slash or backslash mm. yeah right all right, that, that's sort of key. And I, I understand you provide processes for both PowerShell and for Bash. If I'm going to Linux, should I be preferring Bash over, say, PowerShell for Linux? Which, I mean, is a thing, but I don't know how many people really use it. You mean like PowerShell Core, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my advice would be just be, because both bootstrapping scripts are um, are part of the setup. They're both created for you. I wouldn't recommend to delete them. Uh, mm -hmm. because then it, it just works on different uh, CIs as well. So for instance, right. my my code, I, I try to build Nuke on all the various CI systems, uh, different images, of course, and uh, it's, it's been a long time since I had any issues. It right. pops up every now, now and then that there are some, some smaller issues, um, but usually it's quite fixable. And, and my instinct when working with Linux is to use Bash, but I keep looking at PowerShell for Linux and going, does this make sense? This is something people really need to use. So, you know, realizing that you've used PowerShell, I think predominantly for the Windows side of things. I, I don't know if you've ever actually tested a PowerShell for Linux and tried to use that PowerShell build. Um, I had some, yeah, there, there, there have been some issues actually. So for instance, mm -hmm. I can't, good point actually. You can't really use the PowerShell, uh, thing with PowerShell core because that would also use the .NET install PowerShell script. Right. And that won't, and that won't work on Linux, uh, Linux yeah. systems. So you actually have to write a script to detect what OS you're running on, which if you're going to do that, make separate scripts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting problem. And it, you know, you, you know me, I'm, I'm wandering in the, in the weird world of these different cross-platform solutions and seeing is, is there a uniform thing? PowerShell for Linux. I just haven't seen a lot of adoption of it at all because bash works. Yep. It's just weird sometimes, <laughs> but, but but so is PowerShell. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not an expert in that. I I I remember the time when I still had a setup script which was actually using uh, PowerShell and and Bash. Later, mm -hmm. I ported that to use uh, to 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 use a global tool, and that was such a relief. I mean, I was able to delete a bunch of code, and it just worked in in .NET. Uh, with C sharp and I didn't have to kind of synchronize both of these setup scripts uh, every now and then. And, and yeah, that was, that was a relief. It's awesome. Yeah. And gentlemen, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Hey, Carl here with a very special offer for music to code by. You can now get the whole 20 track collection for 1999 while electrons last, go to my new store at pwop.com.
e-junkie.com. That's pwop.e-junkie.com. And get it now before I change my mind. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, man. And we're talking to Matthias Koch about the Nuke 5.0, like 4.0, only different. <laughs> like 1.0. <laughs> yeah, like 1.0, only different. Changing gears a little bit, this approach to building, there's always this challenge of every build script is unique or every build approach is unique per project. There's not a lot of reuse in building, except maybe the initial cut and paste when I start a new project, I grab a build script that feels like sort of close and start from there. Do you, do you try to address that with Nuke? Yeah, definitely. So I remember initially, like I said, I was always a big fan of, of build automation. And that was mm -hmm. always something that annoyed me because the usual, uh, the usual solution to that was you using a, a sub module, for instance, and get and put all the, the re reusable functions there, put it in there, and then reference in another repository. But they're, they're kind of cumbersome to use. Um, in Uke, we meanwhile have like three different um, strategies for build sharing. The first works a bit like you give it a URL to a file and it will, it will automatically download before the build project is compiled. The second is um, using a global tool. So that could be used if if you work, for instance, in a more like a core project inside your company and you want to implement a build and everyone else is just using it. So you can provide a global tool, which people then can invoke. They would just type build, for instance. And the third one is really one of the most interesting for me because that makes use of um, C-sharp was it eight? I think eight um, interface default implementations. Because those those interface default implementations, they kind of solve the the diamond problem where you don't mm -hmm. where you can't have in, in C sharp, you can't have multiple um, base classes. But you can have multiple interface implementations. Mm -hmm. And since now we can provide an, an implementation in, in an interface, you can easily compose different concerns in interfaces and let your build just inherit that. So nice. for instance, for instance, um, I remember there was a, there was a very nice blog post from, uh, Phil Hack about NuGet signing, NuGet package signing. Mm -hmm. And someone, I think it was Nate McMaster, uh, who came up with, uh, with, a, yeah, with, a, with, a, with an implementation for that. But he said, well, it's not really great because you kind of have those, uh, hundreds of lines of code just to do signing. And, uh, you also have to adapt your, your, your build process a bit. Now, with those default interface implementations, what I have in my implementation is I just inherit an interface which is called iSignPackages. And that uh, kind of sneaks into the pipeline between pack and publish and takes the packages, sends them to a signing service. In this case, I'm using uh, SignPath.io, which also provides certificates for, for open source projects and downloads them again, 
um, or gets the, the signed versions of the packages. And then I can push normally uh, just, just like uh, usual to NuGet. And that is a matter of implementing an interface and uh, implementing a property which returns all the packages that you want to sign. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> so for me, as like an enterprise architect, I could be, be responsible for this class that handles package signing for any builds going on inside of the organization. Exactly. And the yeah. only thing you would do, I mean, it, otherwise it works like any other NuGet package. You would publish that maybe internally for your company. Mm -hmm. And uh, people people can can uh, keep the version, raise it, however they like it. Just just the normal way how how you reference to get packages. Yeah, and, and this is just you're getting into the good practice stuff now that people skip over because they're in a hurry to get things done, and it's often hard. See SSL certs. <laughs> uh, so Did I you know it's the fact free? that someone would. Yeah, we, it's free. But, you know, we, we've already made fun of the build master. And yet here we have this. There are specific roles in a build that are challenging. And so maybe someone in the team takes on that specialty, but then is able to share that work across for everyone and, main, and be responsible for maintaining it. Yeah, exactly. That's totally possible then. Or maybe two people anyway. You'd hope so, so that person could take a vacation or get hit by a bus or something and code signing yeah. isn't all broken then but that's a great scenario matthias i had not thought about that like you now could realistically if you're using nuke inside of your organization say hey i'm going to take on the code signing problem for the company for all of our projects and start integrating that building out that class and then helping people add it to their projects yeah exactly i i also had uh, uh had a brief discussion with someone so what I often do is just searching on GitHub for people using my code. And I mm -hmm. found, uh, I found one repository where someone was, uh, kind of implementing the exact same thing, not yet using the interfaces. Um, but he, uh, came up with pretty solid default implementations for like code coverage, um, um, code quality, like using Sonar Source and FX Corp, uh, inspect code, etc. All those, all those things. And uh, then I asked him, maybe, maybe you're interested to kind of create those components uh, for for Nuke because it's yeah, it's quite, um, mm -hmm. it's quite flexible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and same kind of mindset that you can you can establish across projects, sort of testing policies and co-quality rules and so forth, and be able to just integrate them into the build process without having to write the code over and over again. Yeah, and there's there's nothing more annoying than forgetting to copy code over, and then suddenly you you forget something very important in this other project that you might maintain, and then. You might only find out later. So, yeah, that's a great way. Yeah. I mean, you still have to think broadly about how you would write that code that would work well across multiple projects, too. It's way too easy to just worry about your project. But that isn't an insurmountable problem. You could do that. Yeah. I think with the, with the, um, with the, with the techniques that you, that you're being offered in Nuke, I think you can totally do that. So you can, mm -hmm. uh, you could have, for instance, a parameter which, uh, controls how a certain target works. You could skip targets if you like. Um, that's all possible. Yeah. Raise that up as a warning that I skipped this, like that kind of thing so that you can have some, 
features that are present if necessary, but not used if it does make sense. Like, yeah, now, now you got me thinking about the way I'd write that code. Well, that's fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that because, it, it, you know, there's more and more as we do this writing code for all of the things around our applications, we're trying to find ways to make it more maintainable more and more sustainable. Not each piece of code is unique and one-off. And when rules change, like we're going to change our signing policies, you've got to go through and modify hundreds of, of scripts. Yeah, yeah, just the pain of... You know, I'm working with these organizations that have several thousand custom apps internally. And just that you imagine trying to institute policies around, you know, new security requirements for those kinds of projects. It's it's kind of terrifying, really. It's, it's overwhelming. So it's awesome. Let's use it. What next? What else is there to talk about? <laughs> you get it. You download it. You use it. <laughs> I, I have one one thing that is really that, that got people really excited about Nuke, and that has to do with the CI server where it is, where it's executed. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm not a big fan of YAML or any other configuration file that you have to use for your for your um, for your CI server. And what Nuke introduced a while ago, I think it's like almost one year and a half or something. Mm. Um, we have attributes that you could put on your build class. We have attributes for GitHub Actions, AppWare, uh, Azure Pipelines, and TeamCity. And what those attributes do is, well, you have to define a couple of things, but they will generate the CI configuration file for you. So they will write or generate the YAML file, for instance, on Azure pipelines. And, um, the, the, it's not just invoking the build. Mm. Um, well, it, it is on, on AppWare and GitHub because those CI systems kind of still work like sequentially. So you can't have any parallelization for yeah. them. But for TeamCity and Azure pipelines, uh, what it, what it will do is to use the dependency graph of your build and then try to parallelize certain targets. Hmm. So for instance, um, if you, before you had a test target, let's say, and you're invoking .NET test on a couple of assemblies. Now with, I think like three lines of code, you can make that target, um, you can prepare that target for being run in parallel. And when the YAML file, uh, for instance, is created, then on the CI server, it will, it will uh, spin up three different agents to execute the test for you. And you don't have anything, you don't need to do anything else other than write those three lines of code mm. and adapt the test target a little. Interesting. Yeah, nice. Yeah, because they, off a, lot, uh, a lot of the time, these calls to infrastructure could be parallelized. They're not dependent on each other, but they all can take a while. So if you do one after the other, it, gets really, it can be really slow. Yeah, exactly. And that was, I think, uh, as, as, as far as I uh, read about other build systems, I mean, that, that was not clearly the first idea I had when I started Nuke. But usually mm -hmm. the... Um, the idea for build systems is, well, you can easily write the, the configuration file. But that is really something that uh, you lose as opportunity for your build. If you only invoke one single script, then you won't be able to um, to utilize parallelization so much. Mm. 
Yeah. So this this generation approach is 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 really. I mean, I haven't implemented a, a pipeline that is big enough that it's <laughs> that it's worthy to do. <laughs> so, for instance, for Nuke, I I do the same. But I just have two test assemblies and right. that one assembly only has one test. So the parallelization, uh, uh, how do you say gain or, or benefit of that is not really big, but no. for bigger, um, for bigger infrastructures or bigger projects, this is, a, this is a real time saver in your, in yeah. your build pipeline. So you won't block others from using the agent. You have a lot more. Uh, throughput with a single uh, with a single commit that you might push. Mm-hmm. Quite interesting. So, yeah, especially when I start thinking about deploys to containers with lots of little independent pieces, some of which could take quite a while to finish. Like, yeah, that's really interesting. That parallelization could make a huge difference for certain classes of application. Yeah, I hmm. think so too, and I hope I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, you think about the microservices model where you have a whole bunch of little DLLs some of which are not that little, like they could mm-hmm. take a while to build. And if you're using this sort of single threaded approach to your build, you could be waiting for quite some time. And that's a good point, actually. Also with uh, with those smaller, uh, yeah, with microservice architectures. So uh, some CI systems, they have a feature which is called build reuse. So mm-hmm. for instance, if you are, if you're having a large project and just for the simplicity, you still just have one repository. But in mm-hmm. that repository, you have various projects, but, uh, you only change one of the leaf projects. And right. I hope, I hope it's clear what leaf project, what, what I mean by that. It's, it's something that depends on everything else, but nothing depends on that leaf project. Right. And, uh, with that build reuse, you could actually, um, if you commit something to that leaf project, it would reuse all the other already builds that have run, uh, before reuse those artifacts and we'll just execute the build, uh, the build parts that are affecting this one leaf project. That's also something you won't, uh, or you can't gain so easily or achieve so easily. Mm. Um, if you, if you're just invoking a single, yeah, build script. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no question about it. And definitely, yeah, it depends on the project. Uh, how about the community side of things? Have you got a lot of folks making contributions to Nuke these days? Um, that's quite different, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, I would say, and I'm, I'm very careful about doing anything with Nuke, I, I have to say. I mean, I have several things that I still haven't yet committed because I'm uh, not 100% um, um, satisfied with it. There are parts where it's completely easy uh, to provide PRs. There are parts where I need to think about it uh, for sure. maybe maybe even weeks or months. Um, but there have been really, really great um, pull requests that I've merged, like uh, one one guy from from Vietnam, my old hometown, uh, he provided something that lets you easily uh, fix uh, missing package references uh, from from the global tool. And right. that, that that was not so easy to implement. Also, he did the implementation for the default interface uh, uh, stuff. Um, I mean, I had the idea before already and marked it as as 
first timers maybe not a good tech for that uh (laughs) retrospectively but he did a very very good job yeah and besides that from the community i can really say um that the 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 contacts or the the people that i met are almost worth the the whole effort that i have gone through like for instance uh i remember like it it was exactly one year ago when dotnet uh when when dotnet conf uh, was last year Mm -hmm. and i met i met someone at the event uh that i've been talking to before i must say it almost felt like a like a blind date for developers (laughs) and (laughs) and and uh he knew a guy that i i talked to before uh who lives in bulgaria and then i think like one month later we met uh just for dinner and then he said well it had a reason i wanted to meet and i have something for you and then he pulled out like a thousand uh nuke stickers out out of his backpack nice (laughs) and that was that was i was sitting there and i think i think there has never been a Christmas where, where I was smiling so hard. Um, <laughs> Nothing like a good sticker. Yeah. At least not in the, in the times that I, that I remember well. Yeah. And yeah, that, that happens so often. I mean, I, I met really nice people, uh, to talk about those things, to talk about, um, open source, like, like my go-to buddy is, is Rodney Littles. Um, mm-hmm. I think you mentioned it, him, him briefly also in one of the last episodes. Yeah. So I can really recommend him to talk about .NET Foundation and uh, OSS. And uh, yeah, it's it's just been really, really great um, working with some people and uh, discussing ideas, implementing something new. So that was, that is, that is just great. That's That's how I pictured open source. Yeah, as much as you could hope for, right? That, that group of people. Well, you've got a bunch of contributors here. I mean, obviously, you've been driving this project all along. But there's Rodney. I see him with his commits to the project as well. So, yeah. And and it's interesting to me, just as someone who reads a lot of, of projects, to see, you know, the er- earlier issues are all coming from you and you're handling them. But in the past year or so, it just seems like a lot of people are asking for things or exploring aspects of, of Nuke that uh, can be improved or the other capabilities that, 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 that bodes well. Yeah. Yeah. And also that, that's something that is, since I mentioned, it's not always easy to implement something. So, so I'm yeah. always open if someone is interested, uh, who listens to that. Um, I'm always open to discuss things upfront. Um, yeah. Yeah. if, if someone is interested in doing things and that's totally possible. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I can, I can help. I can guide a little. Um, if you're really interested, then. Pick one of the first time issues. Mm-hmm. Nice. And always good to have a conversation before you start writing some code. You know, in any way. Start, yeah. Yeah. My experience working with a humanitarian toolbox projects on GitHub, it's like you are way more successful with a few messages back and forth on an issue before you move ahead with any, any direct work on it. Yeah. It increases the chance, the chances, uh, for, for the PR actually getting merged. Yeah. So, so much, so much. Nobody likes a surprise pull request. Yeah. It's just not a good idea. 
<laughs> well, this is awesome, yeah. Matthias. It's great to see the progress that's been made over the past couple of years. It's uh, really shaping up to be a powerful tool. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, definitely keep us apprised of future uh, improvements, you know? Let's uh, come back when six is released. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I will take you by your word. All right. Oh, for sure. Thanks again, Matthias. Thanks for having me. It was really great talking about it. Awesome. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a